You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Dr. Bowen F. White isn't normal. Why? After seeing thousands of patients as a physician, Dr. White discovered that what we consider normal isn't necessarily healthy. Dr. White's split personality, Dr. Yerko, often shares his humorous and witty perspective on serious topics, proving that laughter is the best medicine. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Bowen F. White. A physician since 1979, Dr. White founded the Department of Preventative and Stress Medicine for the Baptist Medical Center in Kansas City, Missouri, and the Department of Wellness and Health Promotion. He travels the world to promote humor, health, and healing, contributes his time to Patch Adams' Gesundheit Institute, and is the author of the book, Why Normal Isn't Healthy, How to Find Heart, Meaning, Passion, and Humor on the Road Most Traveled, as seen in the PBS special, The Promise of Play. Dr. White, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Hey, thanks a lot. And Susan, you can call me Bowen because, you know, that's my name. Thanks, Bowen. Bowen, is laughter the best medicine? You know, you hear that expression a lot. And uh, actually, I think laughter isn't the best medicine. Friendship is. Laughter is a great social lubricant to help us make connections with other people. That'll help us have more friends. And uh, I really think our relationships, you know, our, our, our friendships, I think, that's, I think that's the best medicine. Bowen, you have an interesting sign on your office door. What does it say? Caution, beware of Doc. Enter at your own risk. I make mistakes every day. I put the sign up there about 20 years ago after I met this lunatic Doc Patch Adams, the actual guy they made the movie of. And uh, he told me about having a free hospital in his home and, you know, the kind of risks he took with patients. You know, and after meeting Patch, I, and I was also doing some small group work myself and taking a look at my own stuff. You know, part of the problem with your medical training is all of our training is about what's wrong with other people. We don't have one day on what's wrong with us. And so I was taking a look at some of my own stuff. And, and uh, long story short, I decided to put this sign on my door, caution, beware of doc, and at your own risk, I make mistakes every day, because I wanted to remember that, that it's true. It's been an interesting experience with patients, because before seeing me, in 84, I went to hour and a half appointments with, with every patient. Some people say, why, why do you take so long with every patient? And, and I say, well, I'm slow. You know, it, it takes me a long time to catch on. But I make sure, you know, made sure the patients read the sign, and uh, it's really had an interesting impact on, on the patients because, you know, it's a weird thing that happens when you get MD at the end of your name. A lot of your listeners probably have recognized this. When you have MD at the end of your name, it creates a distance between you and other people. But I'll tell you this, when I put that sign on the door, that distance went away because my patients could see that, you know, I'm like them, human. You know, we all have this clay-footed problem. And if they want perfect, I'm the wrong doctor to see perfect isn't for human beings. Bowen, the title of your book is Why Normal Isn't Healthy. And in there, you discuss the difference between the meaning of a physician and the meaning of the word doctor. The word physician is derived from the old French physic, which means medicine or medication. And the word doctor is derived from a word that means teacher. And what we're taught to do in medical school, come out of medical school as physicians, as medicators, as opposed to doctors, uh, educators. 
Actually, you know, they're, they're people that are always ahead of their time. You know who the first Italian woman doctor was? Who's that? We've all heard her name, Maria Montessori. And when people think about Montessori, Maria Montessori, they think about schools, Casa dei Bambini, these wonderful learning environments for little kids. And she was actually a medical doctor, the first Italian woman medical doctor, and uh, she was an educator. And I think that's my role. I mean, if people got better, it wasn't because of me. It was because of the efforts they made to take responsibility for their own recovery, their own health, and their own healing. Even if cure wasn't possible, it is possible to heal your life. Now, typically, if we go to the doctor these days, we have, if we're lucky, maybe 15 minutes to see a physician. What's your best advice to physicians in terms of educating their patients with those kind of time constraints? Yeah, I think that's a real-world problem. And um, my suggestion is, okay, well, you know, you have pressure to see a certain number of patients in a certain amount of time. One way to meet your quota, if you have one, is to start doing group work. Take people with common problems. For instance, you could have uh, the high blood pressure group. I started doing groups uh, with high blood pressure patients when I was a resident in family medicine. Taught them all how to take their own blood pressure and use biofeedback to help them learn how to do what vasodilators do, you know, learning to vasodilate the periphery using thermal biofeedback. You know, if you learn how to warm your hands and warm your feet using biofeedback, you're doing what vasodilators do, decreasing resistance to the pumping action of the heart and lowering blood pressure. Anyway, I started doing these groups, and people took more responsibility for their blood pressure. And in the groups, we'd spend look at their data sheets for maybe 10 minutes out of the hour and the other 50 minutes people would spend sharing their lives. And one thing that we know that's healing is is healthy support. So doctors could do groups, you know, you got your high blood pressure group on Monday and you got your cancer support group on Tuesday and you got your heart disease. You know, and in those groups you you know, you have 10 people. So in an hour you could see 10 people. That's going to help you make your quota and you're going to also do something that's suspiciously healthy in terms of allowing those people to share their stories with other people and recognize they're not alone and get ideas from other people about how to deal with their problem, in fact, how to use their problem as an opportunity for growth. Bowen, what do you mean when you say the greatest untapped resource for healing is inside the patient? You know, I'm real interested in psychophysiology and this connection mind-body-spirit. We know what we do in the cortex affects what happens in the limbic system. There are all these connections between the thinking part of the brain and the emotional brain. Through the emotional brain, you have control over lower brain centers, hypothalamus, pituitary gland, and through them, control over things that happen at a distance in the body. So using biofeedback, people can learn how to do a lot of things that are suspiciously healthy, like how to decrease muscle tension, how to, you know, relax how to turn off the stress response and and turn on the relaxation response. People learn how to lower their own blood pressure. You know, what we do makes a difference. Uh, We know that we have cells in the body, white blood cells, that fight disease, including cancer. Uh, We know that white blood cells have receptor sites for every neurotransmitter we produce. Why is that? There must be some connection between, you know, the chemicals that we release with our thinking, those neurotransmitters, and white blood cell function. So since white blood cells have receptor sites for all our neurotransmitters, um, your thoughts affect your white blood cell function. 
you know, show them a video. I have actually done this with patients. I have a video, and you actually see, you know, cancer cells being destroyed by white blood cells. You know, you've got these great big ones, the macrophages, that come in after the lymphocytes chew through the, you know, the cell membrane, the cancer cell, and get in and destroy the nucleus, and then these macrophages. You actually see these macrophages come in and, and then envelop the dying cancer cell, and people can actually see, you know, how things that may be important to them may be going on in their own body and then be able to visualize, you know, their white blood cells destroying their cancer cells, and it gives them some measure of control over what's going on so they're not just passive and dependent upon what other people are doing to them, but they're harnessing some of their own innate abilities, uh, their own God-gifted potential to participate in their own healing. What's the difference between good stress and bad stress, and how do we know the difference? It's all perceptual. When you get married, that's a really great thing. And you get married, and everybody wants to be perfect, but it's also stressful, you know, because everybody wants it to go well. And, you know, that would be good stress. Now, you know, getting fired, oh, I think you could pretty much categorize that as a, as a bad stress thing. Of course, a lot of people, I ask people, I say, in an audience, how many of you have ever been fired from a job and a lot of hands go up? And I said, when you got fired, it was the worst thing that could happen, right? A year later, two years, five years, was it the worst thing that could ever happen? And most of them say, no, it was the best thing that could happen. It's, it's not unlike people, you know, the bad stress, getting a cancer diagnosis. There's this wonderful golfer, you know, that had won the PGA, and uh, he was really a great golfer, and uh, Paul Azinger, and, you know, he, he got cancer a year after getting cancer. I heard him interviewed on TV saying, getting cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I, and I thought, gee, was that, you think that was the first thing that, you know, when the doctor came out and said, well, Mr. Azinger, it is cancer. Oh, yeah, what kind? Lymphoma? Great. I was hoping for lymphoma. A year later, it was the best thing that could happen. Why? Well, energy follows attention. What you pay attention to, you have energy for. He was paying attention to what he was programmed to do by the culture as a male, you know, productive income generating person in the family he was working hard which is the secret to success and hitting a white thing around a green place into a hole and he was really good at it and he gets cancer and then he recognizes well wait a second what's really most important in my life what's most important are love relationships and so the flashlight of his attention then it, it included golf but it included the family in a way it never did before. That's where our wealth really is. It's in our relationships. So that bad stress oftentimes has turned into good stress if you use it. So what's your best advice for the medical professionals who are listening today who are feeling a little bit stressed? Well, you know, everybody's different. You know, we're, we're always the ones with the answers. We know, you know, what people ought to do to be healthy. And what I found it's really healthy for me is to have a circle of support where people will tell me, will mirror back to me what they see me doing that I can be vulnerable with, that I can share my life with, who will, you know, when I'm in the role of the victim, help me get unstuck. When I'm too close to my own stuff to be able to see clearly what's going on, I, I can't think of anything more important than having other people support us in ways that are suspiciously healthy. But part of normal not being healthy, oftentimes when something unfair happens to us, something some people think the way to support us is to help us stay stuck where we are with a friend, and oftentimes that just helps us stay stuck in the role of the victim. And there's a lot of people in medicine that, you know, are, don't like what's happening with medicine, and 
you know, if you don't like what's happening, figure out how to change it. And, you know, maybe getting together with a group of other docs once a week and talking about how can we make things better. But focus on your own journeys first. And in doing that, what you'll do is figure out, forget about changing medicine, change yourself. And when you change yourself, everything else is better. Thanks to you, Dr. White. Everything else is better. How can readers get a copy of your book, Why Normal Isn't Healthy? Um, They can get it through the website, bowenwhite.com, B-O-W-E-N, white, like the color, dot com. Dr. White, thank you for joining us today to discuss why laughter may be the best medicine. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.